lots and lots of spoilers. Well, beam me up. This week on Max Mike Movies, we are warping into the unknown. I, Made From TV Love You, is the series where we focus on movies that dredge up old TV shows, dust them off, and make them all pretty again. Adapt! I mean, movies that adapt splendor from the past. And what resurrection best exemplifies this trendy little process? Perhaps it will be 2009's Star Trek. That's it. No wrath, no generations, no voyage, no whales, just Star Trek. And perhaps it won't. Or has it? Sitting in the captain's chair, wondering what the hell he just sat in, is the Admiral of Admiration, the Commodore of Accommodation, Melcott Max Levine. Say to pow, Max. May the force be with you. Wait, damn. That's fail, wrong. fail, <laughs> fail. Bumpy poop on him. <laughs> Me... I'm the Ensign of Enigmas, the party-goer of the Lower Decks, Mogato Mike Luce. Ook, <laughs> ook. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to Star Trek right after this word from our sponsor, the Bruno Kirby Memorial Fat Suit. <laughs> but first, <laughs> there's the poll question. Yes. Last time we asked you, what is one of your favorite pieces of movie casting? And boy, howdy, did you have answers. First up, we got the wheeze. Quote, Oh man, I feel this way about a few of the Marvel people. Downey playing our man is iconic. I feel similarly about Cumberbatch playing Strange. End quote. Can't say I disagree. Yeah. We's a little also later snuck in, quote, Jeffrey Rush as Barbosa, end quote. Another good choice. because That looks, was really good, yeah. Well, the fact that he looks just like a squid really helped. Well, he does look like a damn pirate. Because, <laughs> you know, there's no special effects in that film. Oh, no. It's true. Or makeup. Uh, Steve Kellner gives us Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury since the Ultimates Nick Fury Nick yeah. Fury was based on Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that's kind of cheating, but sure. And, end quote. And let's be fair, Samuel L. Jackson in pretty much anything. <laughs> that is also fair. Steve also added later, quote, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy, end quote. Um, oh, that that was actually, <laughs> that movie is not very good, but that is friggin' dead, dead on casting. Yeah, it is. Newcomer Justin Donahue offered... Quote, essentially the entire cast of The Princess Bride, end quote. That is a fan favorite indeed. Thanks, Justin. Ian Coleman says, quote, Martin Landau, Bella Lugosi, end quote. Ooh. And damn, that is a fine yeah. and surprising bit of casting. Yeah, that really was. That blew me away. You have to be double joined. Oh, <laughs> Our good friend Dave sent us a few. Matthew Lillard just nails the FBI character he plays in Bosch season two. Don't know it. Oh, uh, don't know it either. I am partial to Mitch Pelegi in X-Files, end quote. Oh, he does do a nice job as Skinner. Ah. Skinner! <laughs> You're fired! <laughs> I don't think that ever actually happens. Uh, thanks as always, Dave. He also had another one in there that I had to cut out because I looked it up and I could not find said actor in said movie. And he said, I also really liked Edgar Bergen in To Have and Have Not. And um, Wait, what? I, I don't think that's right. So, Dave, if you have a correction for us, let us know. Yeah. George Saulnier voted, quote, I thought Ivana Lynch as Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter films was fairly perfect. Yeah. David Suchet's Poirot is definitive, end quote. If I remember correctly, didn't Rowling expand the character of Luna Lovegood because of that performance? I think that's what the rumor is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I can't think of a better Poirot. See our previous episode <laughs> on Murder on the Orient Express. 
sneaking in totally on her own without any kind of prompting from me, we have Val's take, quote, <laughs> I completely agree about David Suchet. I also think no one but Madeline Kahn could play Eunice in What's Up, Doc, and only Bogey in Casablanca, end quote. I was amazed that's the only vote we get for Bogey. Uh, huh. I really thought that was going to be one of the ones, but nope, everyone yeah. did a lot more raw recent stuff. Interesting. Charles Forsyth sent, quote, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Also, yeah. Anthony Daniels as Legolas in the Ralph Bakshi animated Two Thirds of the Lord of the Rings. And uh, that's just the title. Uh, I had to go uh, look that oh. one up as I had no recollection of Mr. 3PO in that movie, but he is in fact correct. No kidding. I didn't remember that either. Huh. All right. He really must disappear into that. I, I, or, yeah, we're we into it or whatever. Or there's a lot of hash. Oh, it should have uh, been a tip off when he refers to Gimli as you overweight blob of grease. Yeah, we should have realized that. Oh, yeah. Well. Uh, joining the Just One More Thing Club, Charles came back with another one, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. I haven't seen, seen that? that, but yeah. yeah, I guess. yeah. Matt Reisman offered, quote, I tried to answer just one person, but I don't know that I'd change a single casting choice in Lord of the Rings, end quote. Yeah, neither would I. Yeah, I can't. Th would you recast anybody in that film? Uh, Bill the Pony? Yeah. With uh, Bumpy? <laughs> yep. I would like because. Because nobody talks about Bill the Pony got cut out. Uh, if you'll remember in the book, I think if you remember in the actual text that Mr. Uh, Tolkien wrote, uh, Bill the Pony was known to have gone back to town yes. and was absolutely fine, just as Bumpy will be. There. Yeah, no, except uh, Bumpy, you know, Bill in the movie ended up on the cutting room floor, which is where Bumpy belongs. Yeah, you're going to find something else on your cutting room floor. <laughs> Uh, Jamie Kleinert offered another genre franchise with her answer, quote, Nathan Fillion as Malcolm Reynolds in Firefly and Serenity, hell, the whole cast of Serenity and Firefly, end quote. That is a good, it's a hell of a cast. Fans just love that show. Thanks, yeah. Jamie. Kelly Cooper had a lot to say. Quote, Tom Hiddleston as Loki in the Marvel Universe is probably Ooh. my top choice for this category. Hmm. Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther and Ryan, Re Ryan Reynolds. You can't say Ryan Reynolds. Did you know that? It's true. You can't say Ryan Reynolds. Of course Ryan you Reynolds. can. Ryan Reblas. Hang on. See? Ryblin that. Damn it. Riboflavin. Crap. <laughs> yeah, pizza, pizza. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool are tied for second. George Clooney, John Turturro, and Tim Blake Nelson in Oh Brother Where Art, though, are, kind of, are iconic. I will get some speech lessons between this episode and next week. <laughs> Can't imagine anyone else playing those fellows. Regina King as Angela slash Sister Knight in the Watchmen TV series. That, yeah. Alan Tudyk as Mr. Nobody and Brendan Fraser as Robot Man on Doom Patrol. I've only seen the first episode, but they're both perfect, end quote. There is a lot of love for the comic book movies, isn't there? Yeah. Thanks, Kelly. Those, yeah. And last, but not very much least, or not at all least, we have our friendly Canadian Vince with, quote, perfect casting, David Bowie in The Man Who Fell to Earth, which apparently oh. is going to be a TV show soon for some reason, end quote. A TV show uh, about yeah. The Man Who Fell to Earth. That, um, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, yeah. Vince. And yeah, thank, thank you, you, Vince. Thank you for all your answers. Bumpy Bucks are in the mail for sure. And look for the all-new Bumpy Hut catalog, which might come out at some point. Uh, <laughs> Max, what about your answer? Um, well, really, I think the most perfect casting in cinema history was Bill McCutcheon as Droppo in Santa Claus <laughs> Conquers the Martians. <laughs> I mean, really, there's no one else who could have done that character. He just, yeah. he just becomes Droppo. I mean, <laughs> In That's habit. one of the reasons. 
<laughs> that's one of the reasons no one's remade the movie is just Droppo. Yep. That's where you're going. Now I I have to say, uh I didn't think of like the entire cast, but I always thought Ian McKellen as Gandalf mm. was just flawless. That was just brilliant, brilliant casting. What well, about you? I, well, and you know, and when we get uh, uh, Christopher, um, I was going to say Lloyd, but Christopher Lloyd did not, in fact, play Saruman. Uh, that was <laughs> I don't know, uh, Gandalf. Gandalf, <laughs> uh, you killed my arc. Um, uh, what is his name, Christopher? Uh, Christopher Lee. Lee uh, made a damned good Saruman because there yeah. was a slight hint of that. Well, he does seem to know what he's talking about. Maybe I should just do what he says. And a whole lot of, or I will kill you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is pretty much what ends up happening to And Saruman. he's got that voice. He's right. got that incredible yes, master, I mean, Mr. Voice. I mean, I, I don't think I'd go into the ninja fighting. I don't think that was necessary, but whatever. Uh, yeah. um, I, you know, Bogey is, is, uh, is Rich, Richard Blaine in Casablanca is kind yeah. of as iconic as it gets. Um, but I have to agree with the Wheeze. If they didn't get Robert Downey Jr. to do Tony Stark, and he didn't just inhale that part and make it what it is, I honestly don't know that we'd have the Marvel Universe. He was the one who kicked it off, and he really, I think, was the first flawless piece of casting for the Marvel Universe. There have been several that are really good, other people yeah. mentioned. But yeah, I think you're right. I think he base he set a really strong foundation. I mean, I Iron Man, when they said they were doing Iron Man, I'm like, wait. Really? I like Iron Man, but is that who you're going to pick? He's not exactly the mo- like why not another Spider-Man cuz that's like the big Marvel character. And I was like, I like Iron Man and I'd love to see a movie, but I really? Mm. And when I saw that film it's like I want more. Yeah. This was fun. I loved it. And especially at the end where he's like, I have an announcement to make. I'm Iron Man. It's like, ah, no, you're not supposed to. But it was great. It was like, yeah. now what? So, yeah, I honestly don't think we would have had, what, the other 50 movies if we or the TV series, too, if we did not have that. So uh, thank you all for your answers. Seriously, we do love hearing yeah, the answers. Yeah, we do appreciate it. It's, it's um, great when people respond. But this week, uh, we'd like to know, in a twist from a couple of weeks ago, what is the one movie that you just really love that everyone else seems to hate. And if anybody, Weasel, answers Star Wars Holiday Special, we will remove every bumpy buck from your account. And have you committed? Uh, another way to look at it is that what movie warms your heart but makes your other friends look at you funny when you mention liking it? Tell us, won't you? And Caligula usual... doesn't count. We <laughs> really don't want to know. <laughs> Uh, tell us, won't you, in the usual ways that, as usual, will usually be mentioned at the end of our little show. But now... As per usual. On to that segment that satisfies trivia. The show. That Vulcan salute. It's been a problem for years, starting with Tapau in the original series. That actor had to hold the salute below the camera and raise her hand as she was unable to make it on cue. Zachary Quinto had to glue his fingers together. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that hard. I I can do it. Uh, mm. The original USS Enterprise is 947 feet long. That has nothing to do with this movie, but it's a fact that's been in my head since I was 10, and I'll be (laughs) damned if I don't use it for something. (laughs) Oh, what a cute little nerd. Oh, boy, am I a Star Trek nerd. Leonard Nimoy, who had turned down many other opportunities to replay Spock, because perhaps after his book, I Am Spock, he had decided that, once again, I am not Spock. I was right the first time, I'm not Spock. (laughs) 
<laughs> decided to take the part because the role was so rich in history and scope of the Spock character. The Romulan voices heard in the background were recorded by none other than Wesley Crusher. Oh! I knew we couldn't, knew we couldn't trust that kid. Wait, wait. <laughs> he hasn't been born yet, so... Shh. Right. Okay. It was his sweater doing the talking. <laughs> Olympic hopeful Wesley Crusher. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's what his little top always reminded yeah, me of. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to make the team someday. And I'm being cruel because I actually really like Will Wheaton. It's the oh. character and the writing of him that was screwed yeah. up. So yeah. anyway. When first meeting the actor who is to play his younger self, Zachary Quinto, Leonard Nimoy is reported to have leaned in and whispered, you have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably true. Oh, yeah. This is the last appearance, although appearance isn't the right word, of Majel Barrett Roddenberry as the computer voice, a role she'd played since the original 1960s TV show. Dr. McCoy's divorce and daughter Joanna, who is not actually mentioned in this movie, were subplots originally designed for the 60s show, but were never filmed. So this is refired canon, I guess. Hey. Uh, the engine room of the Enterprise is actually a Budweiser brewery in Van Nuys. <laughs> yes, we will uh, be talking more about that. That yeah, explains all the big water tubes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Winona Ryder, who plays Spock's mother Amanda, is only six years older than Zachary Quinto. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay, she shoplifted the extra years. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Ouch. Okay. The first, but not last, appearance of a Beastie Boys song in a Star Trek film. Yeah, we. yeah, the same Beastie Boys song, by the way. Yeah. It's yeah. Sabotage, and it's in uh, in Star Trek <laughs> Into the Great Wide Open or Into Darkness or whatever the hell the third one was called. Or, if you're William Shatner, it's Sabotage. <laughs> but there you go. Sabotage. Yeah. William Shatner, speaking of the Shat, <clears throat> William Shatner very much <laughs> wanted to appear in this film despite his character, Captain Kirk, having died in Star Trek Generations. He was, strangely, both surprised and disappointed that he was not considered for a role in this movie. Aww. Oh, Shatner. <clears throat> At the time of the making of this film, the rights to TV versions of Star Trek rested with CBS, and the movie rights were held by Paramount. This would lead to some confusion, especially when CBS decided to flex its option and start the new TV series Star Trek Discovery. Would the two timelines work together at all? In the end, it wouldn't matter as CBS and Paramount merged, which means this will all... Wait, there's two different Pikes. Oh, He's getting on. his own series, but the new yeah. Pike doesn't die in a radiation accident because he died... Wait, what? What? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Right, because Pike will die in Star Trek Into Darkness in the movies, but he's... It? Oh, he did? I forgot yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So, never mind. Yeah, yeah. And, whoa, there is stellar, get it, amount of useless information that will likely be peppered throughout this show. So let's just park it here so we can get back to the plot. But, Max, do you have any trivia do you want to add in at the last minute? Nah, my only thing was uh, the, dual, the use of sabotage as a bracket in the, the trilogy of Star Trek movies. Or sabotage. Right, the plot. <clears throat> uh, insert cracking knuckle sound here. Deep breath. <gasps> Can I let it out? The USS no. Kelvin is tooling around the galaxy when it suddenly comes upon a swirling, gaseous, spin uh, black hole thing. <clears throat> Not a spanus. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it kind of, of is. Yeah, we get another one too. But anyway, yeah. uh, out of it comes a huge ship that suddenly starts firing on our poor hapless Federation vessel. Its captain, a Romulan, is looking for Ambassador Spock. Who the hell is that? Seems there's been some kind of time travel. See our previous series on time travel. And this Spock, whoever he is, doesn't even have rank yet. The Kelvin is a doomed ship, and its suddenly new captain, a George Kirk, Kirok, Kirok sen yeah. sen sends everyone off, including his pregnant and very soon-to-give-birth wife, while he pilots the ship on a collision course into the bad guys, not wackiness. Captain George lives just long enough to name his new son Jim. Ten years later, and young Jim has jacked his uncle's car, is being chased by the cops, and then has to ditch it over a cliff. Seems this Jim Kirk is a punk. Cut to some 15 years later, and Punk Kirk is baiting Starfeet plebes in a bar fight, getting the crap kicked out of him, and not for the last time in this film. A certain Captain Pike comes in to his rescue and dares him to join Starfleet to prove he can do something other than just, well, get the crap kicked out of him. <laughs> Cut to three years later, Kirk's graduated early with his new best buddy, a certain Leonard McCoy. His graduation's cut short, though, as he cheated on a test made by a certain cadet, Spock. But then, that Romulan ship suddenly shows up again and proceeds to destroy Vulcan. Everyone's called to duty, except Kirk, who's on academic probation. Except McCoy helps him sneak aboard the Enterprise anyway. There's lots of space battling, threats to the rest of the Federation, two, two, two Spocks in one, and of course, we meet the rest of the Star Trek crew as elements come together to make it such that the original series never really happened. Only Kirk's brash maverickness can save the day. To hell with logic. I'm a doctor, not a scriptwriter, and hailing frequencies open. The end. The lowdown. Sure, why not? Yes, I left a <laughs> lot out because you have to. You can't, yeah, yeah. This movie has a lot of plot. Yes, and we start with Captain Thor of the USS yep, Odin Prize. It's one of my first notes is, save us, Captain Thor! Yeah, I gotta that's say, Chris though, Hemsworth as Georgie Kirk. He makes a great young officer. He does. He has that strength. I mean, honestly, I really, honest, I really truly believe Chris Hemsworth should be bronzed. Um, <laughs> but he's got that, he manages to still retain that youth that I've got some experience, but I really shouldn't probably be pushing all these buttons, um, and that strength at the same time. He's got a very small part. I think he does a great job for five seconds of yeah. character. Um, the Romulan ship pops out. It's a hedgehog. It's spiny Norman, uh, kind of, yeah. I guess. In Dinsdale. Yeah, Dinsdale. Um, and, and, you know, and, 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 should we get to this now? Sure, let's get to this. Yeah. The, um production the the visual production of this film i don't get any of it any of it so many lens flares I, that's a jj abrams thing i get that the production they, design it though hurts so this ship comes out of the spain i'm sorry not it's not a spanish <laughs> except it is it is um and it makes literally no sense it's sort of this giant metal squid we later find out that is just supposed to be a mining vessel it yeah. is a mining vessel that seems to have almost no cargo space, although it has lots and lots of these metal arms, which actually don't do anything. And an, a remarkable supply of torpedoes. And the it's inside, very heavily armed. The in, yeah, that too. It's, got, it's, it's, it's its own armada. It's ridiculously huge. It's miles long. And the inside of it is kind of, and I'm going to have to beep this, but the inside of it is kind of a shithole. 
Yeah. <laughs> like there's it's water. It's also everywhere. very damp. It's yeah. very, there's water all over the place. It's dripping off of things. It's uh, you know a little more on the walls than it would be an H.R. Geiger set. Yeah, it's just like it just doesn't work. Yeah. And then we see the ship that Spock, this is Ambassador Spock from the future, is flying, and it's this little spinny thing. And it's like, why is part of the ship spinning? And the thing that does not seem to be able to go in a straight line, it just keeps whizzing all over the place like a fly. Normally, um, I would say, oh, it's spinning for artificial gravity, except we know they already have that. Well, and also, that's not the part that's spinning. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah that's not the part he's sitting in. No, I don't get it. Well, it's you know, navigating the air currents of space. Uh, sure. I mean, to be fair, there are currents. There's usually solar currents, but yeah. no. It's yeah, just, no, it, it's I don't odd. get it. Then we get to the redesign of the Enterprise. and the outside, it's like, let's take a classic, iconic design and just add crap to it. Because that's pretty yeah, much looks, what they do. Looks pretty similar. And then you go onto the bridge, and oh, my first God. thought is, hi, welcome to the Genius Bar. Can I help you? <laughs> well, also, there's all this glass. Why yeah. do you have glass <laughs> on something where you know people are going to be tossed about like mindless sheep? Um, it's, you can't, like, I have no sense of the space of that bridge at all. It's way too bright. Um, I don't know what the layout of anything is because it's just sort of amorphous. And then we get to engineering, which is bigger than the entire ship. And apparently it's a brewery. Yeah, it's full of water tubes. And giant vats of things. And it's like the Enterprise doesn't burn anything. There's no energy burning. We know it that it's an, a matter-antimatter reaction, and it's very carefully controlled so they can just get energy out of it and not explode. I do, and apparently the deal was he saw the saw Titanic and was like, wow, the engine room in that ship was this great massive stuff, and he wanted to do that. Yeah, but the engine room, the Titanic ran on coal. I know. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I just don't understand. And it's just, it's ridiculously huge. Um, sadly, we'll, we'll run into this problem later on on Discovery. They'll, they'll, they, one point they show the turbo lifts and we have to see the outside of like with the structure around. And it's this huge open space. Like, I'm sorry, when you're, when you have a space vessel, space, it's at a premium. Mm. You don't just give it away to open space that isn't doing anything. Um, and, you know, I also have to say about Romulan spaceship, uh, there's a big Star Wars crossover here because apparently, just like the Empire, Romulans don't believe in handrails. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this, it's, place is incredibly, the place is a huge OSHA violation. It's <laughs> I mean, unbelievably unsafe. Yeah. So I, the uniforms are okay. They look kind of chintzy to me. Like, they don't look like something that's going to hold up. Although, to be fair... Kirk never actually has his chest cut open or his rich shoulder ripped off, which yeah. we were expecting. And we still have be- the mini skirts for some reason. <sighs> Women can wear pants; it's fine. And whatever. Um, I yeah, I'm not. I just, the production design of this film just to me just does not work at all. There's no point of it. I went, that's really cool. It's just like this is not Star Trek, and it doesn't make sense. And I don't know where I am. And why are there pipes? Yeah, and the cost, as you said, not just the production design, the costuming, the sets. The costuming, all I could think is when Spock is standing before the Vulcan High Council, I'm going, ah, Vulcan sweater technology is light years beyond our own. <laughs> it is called a turtleneck, Captain. <laughs> this is um, a, ca- a Vulcan cable knit. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to understand its technology. 
Yeah, and for reasons that we'll never understand, besides the fact that we get the Beastie Boys, we have to have another like big obvious 20th century thing in because young punk Kirk is driving in a Camaro and the top flies off. And what does he do? He gets a call on the onboard phone system. From Nokia. From Nokia. Yep. <laughs> and it's Product not like placement. a little... It's not like even a little detail. It's like, Nokia! No commercial starting well, now. Somebody put a lot of money into that movie. Yeah, whatever. And we get to hear his stepdad, you know, giving Punk Kirk. Um, <laughs> Punk Kirk is a little... I'm going to have to beep it again. Punk Kirk's a little... He is kind of a jackass. He's only in, on screen for like three minutes, but already I don't like him. About the only thing he doesn't do is flip off the cop. Like, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't do that. Um, and I guess what we're supposed to be seeing is we're supposed to be seeing the anger of not growing up with a dad. So, okay. Sure, I, okay. which apparently in the, in the 22nd, 23rd century is still a big problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the... <laughs> The cop pulls him over uh, because then we see Kirk pull a Cameron Fry uh, and the car, of course, it doesn't shoot out of the house, but it shoots off a cliff. Same thing. Um, Who do you love? You love a car. Uh, But whatever. And then the next, you know, so Kirk gets beaten up four times in this film. (laughs) I counted four times. Um, I will say this for uh, Chris Pine. Nobody can cough. Like Pitt Chris Pine. He's seriously, he sounds like he's uh, close to Doc Holliday level of lungerness. Um, but yeah, so he's in a bar fight and he's just trying to pick on, he's picking on what turned out to be red shirts, you know. And yeah, to be fair, they do have this tendency to die, but the one he picks on is a big, tough security officer. And it's like, okay. And why does he pick on him? Um, um, no, because the guy's getting in his face because Kirk is hitting on Uhura. Who who's told the, him to leave? <laughs> the first time in 40 years gets a first name. Yeah. I'm sure in the comic books or the novels or the, God knows, the fan fiction, she's probably had 135 first names. Yeah. But this I, is the first time. I think it's Nokia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something Na- like that. Nyota. Something like that. Yeah, Nyota, N Y O T A. And this is also, I think, the, old, the first movie where Sulu says his first name. We yeah. know his first name is Hikaru from something else, but sure. it's the first time he actually ever says it. Uh, I got to say, I had a little problem with uh, Chekhov in this. Really? They're pl- the way they play his accent. They're playing his accent for laughs, but we actually see it interfere with oh. his work. Right. Because he's trying to enter an authorization code. And Siri doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to say, like, seven-something, Victor, Victor, and he's saying, Victor, Victor. Yeah. And the computer does not know to compensate for a Russian accent. Yeah. Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. That's... <sighs> I'm sorry. First of all, the idea that a nationalistic accent like that would have lasted that long when we're clearly at a single world government, it just didn't, it, it was silly and didn't make any sense. I didn't, li- I, that annoyed me, which is too bad because uh, Yel- you know, Anton Yelchin yep. does a really nice job as Chekhov and he's adorable. You know, he's, I didn't quite buy he was 17 years old, but. I, I actually don't mind the accent, and here's one of the reasons why. It's the only one in the entire film. 
Yeah, the Vulcans don't Nobody. have accents. The Romulans don't have accents. Nobody has an accent. And it's yeah. like... <sighs> Excuse me, Scotty has an accent. Oh, that's right. And for yeah. the first time in history, played by an actual Scotsman. Is he Scottish? I thought he's British. No, Simon Pegg? Simon yeah. Pegg is Scottish. Is he? His, his sure. accent usually is British, that's why. Like, his Glaswegian, that's not his accent. He actually had to be coached on that. Oh. You can look it up all you want, but it's true. He's he, he, he is, uh, at least was, raised hmm. British. Raised British? Yeah. But he, I read about him having to have a uh, a coach, and it was he's like uh, one of his, yeah, I think his no, grandmother's he Glaswegian. Right. He was born in England. Oh. Yeah. But, well, um, at least he was British. <laughs> apparently, Simon Pegg did not have to audition. He got an email from J.J. Abrams says, I'd like you to be in this movie, please. And Simon Pegg's like, are you kidding? Of course I'll be in the movie. Who do I get to play? <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't say it like yeah. that. Um, let's talk about the cast. Because okay. this is one of the most difficult casting jobs, I think, ever. Yeah. It's really hard when you have this iconic television t- uh, series. Yeah, and in the past they 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 sidestepped it. They either used the old cast, the very, very old <laughs> cast, or they just said, "Nope, we're doing this a hundred years in the future with a to- with totally different people." Yeah, and yeah, uh, I think for the for the most part, a lot of the cast really works. I well, think start Chris at the Pine top. is mm-hmm. yeah. Let's start at the I, top. Yep, I think Chris Pine is really good as Kirk. He doesn't tr- he doesn't try to do Shatner. Thank goodness. <laughs> And Although I would like to, I wish there was an outtake where he does because that yeah, would be really funny. It would have been funny to watch him, you know, do the pauses or the yeah. whatever. But I think he does that kind of cocky maverick thing. I am. It's a little annoying with the daddy issues because that was a period in movie history which is still going on where all the heroes have daddy issues. Yeah. And, I mean, it's but, not a Disney film, but still. Uh, but. Uh, I think he does a, a nice job. I think he's got that kind of that's the sense of humor. You understand why people follow him. His friend, I really like his friendship with Bones. Mm. I really like Carl Urban. We'll get to him. I think yeah. Carl Urban does a great job as as, as McCoy. But anyway, what, what did you think of uh, Pine as Kirk? I agree with your assessment. Here's the question: Is he Kirk? Not really. The problem Not is the I same think- Kirk. No. No, and I think that the only issue I have is that he's a little bit too mavericky. And by that, I mean, I would probably want to slap him at some point, too. Now, they play up the horn dog, Kirk, which, to be fair... <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, we That's actually... That's down and, to this planet so I can find an alien to fall in love with before <laughs> the end of the show. <laughs> Ain't I some? Um, <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, <clears throat> The thing that I think is interesting is that there's, there is a good explanation for it, basically. And Pike kind of says this to him. It's like, Starfleet's kind of moribund. We're not going anywhere. We need somebody to kick mm. it in the butt. And Kirk showing up pretty much does that. Now, he also, as I said, he, he literally gets beaten up four times. <laughs> four times. Yeah. Um, he, and he doesn't really, the only one he really wins is the last one, and it's only because the guy was stupid enough not to take his gun out of his holster, but whatever. Um, but I think that that brashness, that cockiness, that horn dog, he does a very good job of personating, of, uh, of um, uh, imper- imper- not but impersonating, f- fulfilling. Yeah, embodying, yeah. Um, second in command, we have Zachary Quinto. Uh, I think he did a great job. I thought he was really good as Spock. 
I think not only does he do a great job, and apparently he met a lot with Leonard Nimoy. Like, he's like, I really want to get this down. The kid who plays young Spock is excellent. He looks oh, yeah. just like Quinto. He does. Um, and he's only in, like, two scenes. Yeah. Which is, it, but, uh, yeah, I thought he was... And I, I liked the whole thing of the way the Vulcan children pick on him. It's which, so Vulcan. It's like, you know, you have a t- you, as I assume you have returned with new insults, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just, uh, the, the Vulcans are, are in this, in, this is called the Kelvin universe, I'm guessing, because the oh. ship that gets blown up first and it causes the whole, well, we're not really going to do the TOS anymore, yeah. is the Kelvin. Um, the Vulcans do a lot more of the, no, 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 we actually do have emotions, we just hide them all the time thing than the original show. The original show, it's like, no. When you see the Vulcans, they don't. And I got to say, Mark Leonard never, he barely raises an eyebrow when he plays as Sarek mm-hmm. until next gen. And even then, it's only because of a disease he's going through. Yeah. And they're, they kind of should be cold-hearted bastards. They really should. And they really play up the superiority complex they very clearly have. Right. Um, I mean, they're space elves, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but Quinto, I, I really like his Spock a lot better than the guy who's playing him on Discovery. On Discovery, uh-huh. I just don't feel the same Nimoy-ness. And I don't think Quinto is in any way doing an impersonation of Nimoy, mm. but he's embodying, that's the word I wanted before, he's yeah. embodying the character that Nimoy built. And I, I really yep. appreciate his performance in this. Um, from here, we can go to anywhere. Uh, let's yeah. go to McCoy. McCoy, yeah. Carl Urban. The only thing I have against his performance is they don't let him not be grumpy. Yeah, he's grumpy all the time. I also, I really like just a little thing of how he gets his nickname. Right. The idea, you know, the, his ex-wife took everything. All I've got left is my bones. I thought that's really nice because otherwise you just assumed bones. It was a nickname for sawbones. Right, which is itself not at all pleasant. <laughs> yeah, and also really anachronistic. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like uh, his, I like his friendship with Kirk. I think it's very believable. He yeah. has this kind of both paternal because he's clearly significantly older than Kirk. Yeah, but all, this kind of big brother quality to it. Well, it's also nobody likes him because he's so grumpy, except mm-hmm. Kirk, who seems to able to stand him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Carl Urban does a great job. Although uh, I keep thinking, ah, here comes Doctor Aomer. Dr. Ao. Oh, right. God. He was, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he blonde in that? That's why Yes, I he was. Him. He was very blonde and had facial hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zoe Saldana, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen her in something I didn't like. And she oh, keeps she, getting these parts where she just basically, oh, it's her. That's her now. We can't think of her as anybody. Now, Nichelle Nichols, sure. But oh, yeah. This is a very different character. Part of the reason for that is they actually give her something to do. Yeah, she actually has a skill set. She's not just a secretary in space. Right. I know, again, we can talk as much as you want about the fact that Uhura was the first black character on TV who wasn't a secretary or a maid, except Mm. she was kind of a secretary. Yeah. And she was an officer. That was a big deal. She was a bridge officer. Yeah. But, you know, this is 2009, and it's also supposed to be the 23rd century. Yeah. So, yeah, I like the fact that she, her big thing is she's got really, you know, she's really good at languages. She's yep. a natural linguist. She's got really good auditory skills. She, and thankfully, they never use the cunning linguist joke. Yes, thank God. Yes. Yeah. Although Kirk makes some joke about being good with his tongue. Um, yeah, yeah, or she good with hers. Yeah. Uh, 
the fact that they also not only eliminated the original love interest for Spock, but they gave it to her. Yeah. I like their dynamic. Um, it really worked. I remember when I saw it in the movie the first time, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Spock and Uhura? And then you're like, oh, this actually works. The problem, and we'll get a little bit to this, is that it ruins some of the performances of the original show. And we'll, and we'll get to that. Let's continue with the, the cast. Mm, all right. Um, we've got, uh, I'm sorry, it's John, is it John? Not John Cho. What is yeah. his name? It is John yeah. Cho playing I'm pretty uh, sure. Hikaru Sulu. Does fine. We don't get to yeah. see him do that much, he except doesn't, he pulls yeah, the sword out. He doesn't get to do a lot, but the, what he does, he's, he's good. He's At least decent. he takes care of his Romulan. <clears throat> yes. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Uh, I like Anton Yelchin, and it was such a tragedy that poor kid yeah. died so young. Yeah. Um, they make it a lot... Yeah, okay, maybe he's not 17, whatever. They make Chekhov a lot more fun as a character, quite honestly. Um, they give him a little bit more... He's more capable. It's like, oh, I can do this, I can do this. He runs down to the transporter room, and he locks onto people falling through space, which is cool. Mm. Yeah, it, he's like the he's like everybody's hyperactive kid brother. Yeah, um, and you know maybe we would have seen more of that if uh, he hadn't died so young. Um, but yeah, man, what a thankless task! We're going to recast all of these ridiculously iconic, and we're not talking like the Adams family. We're no. uh, this is Star Trek. No, these this, this is this is a show with a. Not just rabid, but fanatical, <laughs> almost cult-like following. Yeah. I'm looking and, at um, you, by the way. Um. <laughs> yeah. I am a huge Star Trek nerd. And when they announced this, I was not having it. Not at all. I am like, nope, nope, this is going to stink. I'm going to go to this movie and sit there in my hatred watching this movie. <laughs> And, well, we'll see how that turned out. I'll leave that for the end. Yeah. Um, the guy uh, playing I Pike. Oh, he's really good. He is that speech he gives Kirk. Mm -hmm. I think I'd have joined up. I, I would have been tempted. He's great. And, and, uh, we mentioned Simon Pegg briefly, but yes, I like his version of Scotty. I like that he's slight. He's sort of the crazy genius. Yeah, he's clearly the the you know, the the square peg in the round hole. He doesn't really. <laughs> you fit said in. square peg. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't quite fit into Starfleet, but he's so damn smart. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked him. The one thing I don't understand, and I guess it's supposed to be a running gag, who's the little guy? The, the bumpy-faced alien who hangs around with him, is he... I mean, he has one line. He says, me. I is he sentient? I think it's the Did, only time it ever speaks. Ever. In, yeah, and it's in, I think, all of the movies. All three of the movies, but we don't know what it is. It doesn't have a name. It does... And honestly, that kind of got on my nerves. It's not referencing anything I can think of. I don't know. I, I, I think they it just was threw it just in. Something. Yeah. Is it his uh, boyfriend? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I really liked him. Yeah. I like. I liked his the sense much more of a sense of fun. Even yeah. even when he does the, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. And like, oh look, he said the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I Simon Pegg's another actor that I don't think I've ever not enjoyed his performance. He's just, he sort of radiates fun. Um, 
you know, I, I, I did not recognize him in The Force Awakens, but that's to be understood as well, he was under yeah. 300 pounds of suit. In yeah. fact, I think it was the Bruno Kirby Memorial Fat Suit. Uh, <laughs> could, could have been. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to mention that because it's our sponsor this week. <laughs> yep, got to bring that in. Um, so, yeah, I, I also think that we, we see that passion for, for just figuring things out and engineering, electronical and physical. Um, so, yeah, it, everybody actually works in this context really well. And I don't really have a problem with anybody they pick to be the major characters, really, at all. I, I even like, that was you know, Ben Cross from Chariots of Fire as Sarek. And he okay. did a really nice job. They did something with him that I don't know if I agree with, but the scene was really touching. Is that the, when he te- when he tells Spock why he married his mother? The second time, because the first yeah, time, of course, he, he says, it, "Oh well, you know, being it somebody was logical. It was logical because my job is to understand. Mm-hmm. I'm the ambassador to humankind. So, the, what better way to get to know them than to marry one of them? And when he sees that basically his son is never going to get over the fact that he's two different." sides together never going to be the whole that everyone wants him to be finally admits the reason he married her is because he loved her um, yeah. and he, and you could tell there admitting that was as difficult as what spock's going through which is why i think he did it we never learn why in the original show of course amanda shows up once twice if you count the cartoon um but uh even there their their relationship somehow works um yeah the fights must be absolutely maddening because they simply consist of her going, why did you do that? It was the proper thing to do. <laughs> yes, but I, I ask you yeah, time and yeah. time again, and he just sits there stoically. Yes, dear, you know. <laughs> um, as you said, there's a lot of plot in this film. Um, we've got time travel. Uh, mm. uh, we've got Romulans, bad Romulans. Um, yep. We've uh, got- one of the... Interestingly, we get something that's referenced in the new Picard series, and that's the destruction of Romulus, because that actually oh, yeah. does happen in the Picard series. Mm. And interestingly, um, that while it doesn't look like the Federation is trying to do anything to stop it, Picard is trying to save as many Romulans as he can, and the the Federation basically goes, uh, yeah, we're out of ship. Sorry, no, we're not doing it. Yeah. Um, Although, I, I gotta say, at least in the Picard one, it made more sense, because in this movie... Spock says, oh, yes, there was a supernova that could have destroyed the galaxy. Well, and, yeah, that's what he says. And what is his solution? Uh, blow it up. Put a big black hole in the middle of it. And it'll suck away that supernova and everyone will be fine. Wh- what? <laughs> yeah, first of all, okay, I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't, there are supernovas pretty they happen. Yeah. I don't think there are any big enough to do a significant damage to the entire galaxy. No. And second of all, they're throwing around black holes like they're party favors. Well, apparently they discovered red paint, and if you inject <laughs> red paint into space, it makes a black hole. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they don't try to explain the red matter. I mean, it's clearly just sort of a MacGuffin, but it doesn't make any sense. My first no. thought, at the end... We see that one marble-sized piece of red matter is enough to create a singularity to suck up a planet. Right. The whole mass of it explodes at one at the end. It's like a what a, a hundred thousand times the size. It would have sucked up the whole galaxy. Nope, and just this one ship. Yeah, and uh, it destroys it, I guess, instead of sending it 
end of time <laughs> for read the yeah one of my notes there is no science in this movie none yeah, it, they absolutely don't even, they none. really don't even try there are just no. things they just don't make sense and they don't bother even little things you know what got me why did they bandage kirk's hand they put a friggin' bandage. It's a 23rd century, and they're using cloth bandages. Really? Yeah. Really? You haven't gotten anything better from the Revolutionary War? Yeah. I mean, this goes along with the water pipes, too, because mm. whatever. And you can beam into water, and somehow that displaces, and you don't be... <sighs> yeah. Also, uh, let's be fair. This is less about exploration, less about the human condition, and a lot more about action. And quite honestly, there's too damned many action sequences. Awful lot of action. Like, we can't even maroon Kirk. Huh? On Hoth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Delta Vega, which actually was a planet from the original series, but it wasn't that planet. Yeah, and they do that clearly because we want an alien monster. We got to yeah. have an alien monster. Only reason. Yeah, and it's just, it's a chase sequence, which we don't care. I don't, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, the, there has to be more fighting, and there are more fist fights. There's fist fights everywhere. Again, four times he gets beaten up, four times. By the way, is it odd to you that when uh, Kirk is goading Spock and finally pushes him over the edge to prove that he's emotionally compromised, and um, Spock is choke slamming him onto the console no one objects except Sarek. No one says, oh, everyone just sort of standing there going, well, this is awkward. Your acting captain is about to murder someone, and you're all just standing around watching. Really? It ha the, the Vulcan ambassador is the guy who has to go, um, excuse me. Well, it's sort of like, no, that's bad. Don't do that. Spock, no. no that's emotional. I, uh, I mean, is it just they were enjoying it? It's like, yeah, let that arrogant twerp get the snot slapped out of him. I don't know. The, the expression said to me, huh, well, that's something. <laughs> Even McCoy, who's supposed to be his buddy, is like, ooh, I don't know. Should I say something or not? And I, I didn't look too closely, but maybe one of the extras is just standing there going, line? <laughs> Line. It's just it's that scene confused me, I'm, I'm, and it's a big emotional scene, and I get yeah. it, and there's some cool stuff in it, but that part of it, the fact that they're not immediately trying to drag Spock off him, or ever at all, <laughs> yeah, doesn't make just just weird. No, um, so there's things missing from this film too, uh, mostly any of Roddenberry's ideals, any of the ideas he had about the future, um, about honestly people getting along because there's lots and lots of people not getting along in this <laughs> film some of them are our crew yeah um, now admittedly there was a dictate uh that there would never be any interpersonal problems between the crew on the original show and yeah. when it got to next gen that was also a dictate although he had less power then eventually of course he passed away and they uh just sort of that went out the airlock yeah. yeah especially in ds9 but um I, it's really, in a lot of cases, the trappings of Star Trek, but with lots of pew pew ba da ba <laughs> um, and we don't really see the reason Star Trek was made. A lot of people forget, and if you if you're not somebody who's ever watched the original series, or if you have no context, like if you're young enough that you weren't around in the '60s or '70s, 
Star Trek did a lot of commentary on social issues. And back then, it was really hard to get anything like that on the air because the censors would cut it. They were like, no, 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 you can't talk about racial relations. We, we can't do that. These days, it's like you can say the F-bomb on pretty almost on NBC. Mm. Um, I still remember when, when, when the word penis was able to be said on TV and Dave Letterman just went to town with it. <laughs> Uh, or no, was it him? No, it was SNL. It was SNL. It Saturday Night Live did an entire sketch song. where they said it like 140 times. Yeah. Um, I just, I wish that there had been some semblance of why Star Trek has hung around as long as it had. And they're really, it was really much more action-y than it was Star Trek-y. I don't know. I thought the context, I, I thought the background of it all was sort of very Star Trek-y. The whole idea that the emphasizing that Star, that Starfleet isn't a military organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this gun? Oh, uh, it's a collectible. Uh, we yeah, were just uh, why transporting we it have, over there. <laughs> why do we all have naval ranks? Uh, 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 oh, look, no. tribbles! <laughs> yeah, and, there, and we do see a tribble. Um... Uh, yeah. where do we, I don't remember. Where do we see a triple? It's on Scotty's desk. Oh, yeah, well. oh, oh, right. Yeah. I, but, yeah, and that that's always been a question. Um, to be fair, there's been episodes of the original series that do deal with this. One of the earliest episodes where Kirk proves that humanity can make some really good choices is the Corbomite Maneuver, when basically they're being attacked by this seemingly giant ship that's going to just, like, grab them and yank them off to who knows where and do whatever it wants with them. They manage to get away from a smaller version of said ship and disable it, leaving it adrift where the supposedly the life support is, is dying on the ship and with it the commander of said ship. And the members of the crew are like, let's finish this thing off. Oh, my God. And Kirk is like, no, let's go and help. Let's go and see what we can do. Which, which turns also out to happens in this movie. At the end, when, well, the ship, when Nero's ship is being destroyed, Kirk says, if you surrender, just surrender, we'll bring you over, we'll rescue you. <laughs> well, except what he says is, yeah, okay, if you want to give up, um, we'll, we'll rescue you, wink, wink. He's like, no, rotten Federation bastards. All right, I tried, kill it. <laughs> So, because that's what he does. He yeah. doesn't even let them yeah. go. It's like, nope, shoot them with everything we've got. We still got <laughs> throw water balloons, whatever. Uh, the the spanus isn't enough. Yeah. It's gotta, yeah. So, kind of not really. Um, I suppose. And there's a lot of kind of not really in this movie. But speaking of which, uh, I think we should get to our questions. Uh, we, we'll still have time for any of your points in case we need sure. to come back. But I just want to make sure we have time for these. Does this movie capture the feeling of its source material? I think somewhat. Uh, I don't think it would if we didn't have some context. If we, there's a lot of blanks the viewer fills in themselves. Even people who don't, who didn't actually watch the original show when it was on, we st they still know about it. It's so right. much a part of our culture that it sort of fills in the parts that the movie doesn't do. And I think, yeah, I think this does capture some of. It updates it. It changes it. As you say, there's much more co interpersonal conflict. There's the idea. There are different ideas, but I, I think it does. I think it, it holds. It, it keeps true to some of the spirit. I think where it captures it is in the performances. I honestly think that the people playing the characters did a really good job trying to embody the characters that we all know and love. The story. Eh, 
Mm, not well, so much. Which it's one? A, There's I like know. eight stories in this. Yeah. Well, you know, they're on some one point they're like, look, we know there's people who've never seen Star Trek and they've heard the names Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, but don't know who they are. So let's try and provide some context. And so they do. And so we get a little bit more background on Kirk. It's kind of fun. I don't know if it's great, but it's kind of fun. Uh, Kirk's a little punk. <laughs> there's just no other way. Yeah. I can't think of another word to describe him. So I think there was the intent, but there was also a much bigger intent to do whatever they wanted with it, which is, does this movie respect its source material? I think it's trying to, but I also think you get the feeling the writers are sitting there going, well, this is really old-fashioned. We have to update it. Yeah. I think it does to a degree, if only, and not just because of all the little callbacks and the little references. I mean, hell, Scotty makes a comment about experimenting on Admiral Archer's pet beagle, which is a little <laughs> nod to the show Star Trek Enterprise. Yep. Uh, I, I think it. I think it does. I think it. It. Uh, it. It respects it to a degree, and then sort of stops. I think they believed they were being respectful. But I think that, like you pointed out, why are they, why are there bandages? There's all these weird things that just pop up that's like, why are they, oh, it's because it's funny. Okay, right. So Siri doesn't understand a Russian accent because that's funny. Uh-huh. It's like mm. the episode, what is it? I think it's Star Trek V, where Ohura is pulling out a Klingon dictionary in book form. Oh, yeah. I think it was six. Yeah. Whatever. It's like, really? Okay. Yeah, mm. great. That makes sense. Yep. So I, I think it was played much more as a big blockbuster film than it was a Star Trek film. But I do think that there was definitely people paying attention and trying to, especially, again, the actors, who I think... I, I just, I'm amazed that I liked them as much as I did because I really... It's like, you're taking my Kirk and my Spock and you're flushing them down the toilet. What are you going to give me? And it's like, oh... You know, you actually gave me something pretty cool. So, And lastly, there are three questions for this series. Does this movie take advantage of the fact that it's a movie and not just an episode? <laughs> oh, big time. I mean, I th- honestly, I think it goes a little overboard. Yeah. It reminds me a little too much of the, ver- of the very first Star Trek movie, you know, Star Trek The Motionless Picture, where it was just so much of, we've got a budget, look at how big everything is, look at all this stuff. Yeah, And this was more like, you know, oh, it's got to take place throughout different time periods and on different planets, and we're going to bring in all these different things. Yeah. I, I definitely think it, it feels like a movie, not a TV show, definitely. Yeah. I, maybe a little too much so. I think that you could have made a season out of this. Like, this could have been yeah. a 10-episode season of a Star Trek show. Uh, yeah. Um, and these days, those kinds of shows, like everyone complains, ah, there's only 10 episodes in this thing. Yeah, look at the production values. These shows look like movies. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery's production, and say what you will about it, and I'm not going to do that here, it looks like it costs a lot of money. Um, so does uh, so did Picard. You know, yeah. TV shows these days just are expensive. Um, but th- and this film was expensive. You know, I didn't look that up. I'm surprised I didn't look yeah. up budget and take. Obviously, uh, it was a successful enough to do two more of them. Yeah, and maybe a fourth because nobody's sure. It's been uh, five years. Was, but whatever. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. Are they done? Or are they gonna? I mean, or are they gonna wait a few more years and reboot it again? Well, the the rumor were were the rumors were that Pine didn't want to do it. 
or at oh. least he was couldn't fit it into his schedule, so they kept putting it off, and then the pandemic happened, and they were just like, yeah, whatever. Oh. And then I heard maybe they are going to do one. I don't know. The last one was not my favorite. <clears throat> not least of which because they win through the power of their rockin'. Squiddly flabbly do. Yeah, but anyway, um, do you have any more notes before we get to our uh, little roundup? Yeah, I was a little surprised they don't really point out the tragedy, I mean, they really don't linger on the genocide of Vulcan, that they just killed six billion people very much. Well, the Vulcans and they really don't. don't point out that, I mean, I don't, uh, Spock says there are like 10,000 Vulcans left. They don't point out that that's not enough to rebuild a species hmm. unless they really get into interbreeding. Well, let's face it, it's the future and genetic engineering is probably a thing, so it uh, probably maybe. is. This Maybe. could be Vulcan vat babies, that's all. I, I did think it was both interesting and kind of annoying that they they make such a point, they actually stop and explain, okay, because of this time travel thing, everything that was going to happen is changed. Yeah. They're like looking at all the Trekkies, looking at the audience going, you understand? We don't have to follow the exact storyline. We can yeah. do all sorts of different stuff. And now in the second movie, we're bringing back Khan. But! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll say what you will about that. But it's almost as if Chris Pine, as Captain Kirk, literally looks into the camera and says, Up yours, Canon. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to the end of that. But it, it, the, the problem I had with it mostly was they literally stop the movie to tell you that. Like, yeah. it really, it's it almost... It kind of grinds to about, a halt right there. It, it, yeah, and it's like, this means, we, yeah, cool, we're <laughs> Star Trek different, and nobody can touch us, la, 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 la. Now, to be fair, part there's two reasons for that. One, we don't need to watch them remake all of the old Star Trek yeah. shows. Yeah. Two, at that point, the TV shows and the movies were owned by two different people. They uh, kind of had to because, well, we can't use all these characters because Paramount won't let us. Um, we have to keep this movies and do movie stuff, which is somehow different. I don't know how that ever gets split up and why that makes sense, but thankfully it's not a thing anymore. So whatever. Um, I'll be interested to see what ends up happening. Other than that, uh, I think it might be time for yeah. um, the roundup. The roundup. So Max. Yeah. You saw this when it came out, didn't you? I did. I saw it in the theater. And what did you think? I was really impressed at the time. I was... Now, I, I don't claim to be as into Star Trek as, as some people like, you know, you, or, but I, I liked it a lot. I watched it, you know, I watched every episode. I've watched all, most of the series, uh, not all of them. Uh, I never didn't really get into Enterprise. I, was, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. And I was, my first thought was, damn, they actually, they kind of did it. They did a nice job with the... Mostly, again, with the cast. They, they've stayed true to the characters. they got some really good people doing it. In fact, let's face it, they got some better people doing it. Oh, what you said. <laughs> Sorry, but those, the acting quality, well, well whatever. Uh, let's not get into that. Uh, I, I thought it was really impressive. I did think the story, even then, I thought, wow, they kind of shove an awful lot in there. Yeah. And now when I look at it, I still think the cast is terrific. I still think they... They do keep true to the spirit. I was looking forward to the next one, mainly because I thought maybe they won't try to jam as much in and it won't be as all over the place as this one was. Ah. What about you as uh, your beloved Star Trek Reborn? 
I have been a Star Trek nerd since I was a little kid. Star Trek is my show. I adore Star Trek. I've read tons about Star Trek. I built that stupid Enterprise model more times than I can count. <laughs> and goddamn, those nacelles never went in right. Um, 947 feet, just so you know. And I put my hate jacket on, and I went to the hate theater, and I sat in my hate seat. And I was just like, ooh, ah, just you're a bucket of hate corn. I hate corn. I'm going to and I was like, oh, that thing they did where they stopped the movie to tell us the f- way they did it was annoying. But the way the description itself, the reasoning, I'm like, you know what? I'm OK with that. Mm. I get it. You don't want to just rehash the old show. Yeah. Thank you. Although, mm, con. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to see you do it. And this way I can't I can choose not to be angry about what you do with the characters because stuff happened. And quite honestly, of all the time travel we've ever watched, this is the only time travel I've seen where they not only acknowledge that we're in a different time stream, we didn't go back in time. We're in a different time stream. Uh stuff's going to be different. Yeah. Like that's it. We're we're we don't know what we were going to be like. We don't know what was going to happen, but it's not going to be that anymore. Um the performances are really good. I like everybody who plays all of the characters. They inhabit them really well. They bring their own twists, but they don't make them things they're not. Um, there's just stuff in the plot which just does not make sense. Uh, mm. I've shown up. I'm a badass Romulan guy. I have no accent, whatever, even though I'm Australian. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tool around for 25 years for no <laughs> particularly good reason and do absolutely nothing. Yeah, and then, my God, that must have been boring. I'm amazed his crew didn't kill him. How did nobody see them? Yeah, it's, it's like, well, okay, space is, they say, as Douglas Adams tells us, is really, really big. <laughs> space is big. Space, space is, dark. is dark. It's hard to find, find a, place a place to park. To park. But they knew the Spanus was there because they sent <laughs> the SS um, uh, Kelvin to go. Yeah. Do you think somebody just went, huh, well, yeah, Kelvin went away. Well, no, oh, then well, they, that, then that they happens. Sent, they sent the USS Fahrenheit and the USS Celsius, <laughs> and they didn't come back either. But it's just like, so they just, what, left? Yeah. Uh, oh, we just, and nobody aged. Like, all the Romulans looked exactly the same. I kind of liked the punk-ass Romulans, though. They, they were kind of cool looking. I like the tattoos. Well, it's the first time we also just don't see them all being military. And quite honestly, they also have their own shoulders, which is a really nice change (laughs) from GMG. Um, So there's things about this that even as a dyed-in-the-wool 60s TOS Shatner Nimoy uh, Kelly Star Trek nerd, I liked. And I was like, you know what? I'll go see a sequel. And I went and saw the sequel. Strangely, I ended up liking the sequel most than mo- mo- more than most people. Huh. Um, it's like, yes, Khan is once again played not by an Indian guy for reasons I do not understand. And once again, Benedict Cumberbatch shows that his American accent is suspect. <laughs> but I enjoyed Into Darkness. Mm. I was like, I've watched it a few times. So this new Star Trek... It's very much pew pew badow badow. It's not at all exploration. It's not really dealing with anything with the human condition, which is a shame. But yeah, all its plot holes and problems, I enjoyed it. Surprise. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so uh, we'd like to uh, just rehash our poll question for next week, which we hope you will answer in one of these myriad ways, such as 
our website. You can go to our website, which not only has all of our previous episodes, and there's a lot of them. Find one. There'll be one you like. There'll be a whole series you probably like. Uh, that's maxmikemovies.com. Leave a comment there. As you may guess, we have an email address that goes with said website. That email address is us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to all of that wonderful social media that everyone is just all excited about these days, as long as it's either Facebook or Twitter. We're Max Mike Movies users there. Uh, if you want to, you can also just go ahead and text Max directly at 1-800-BITE-ME-MIKE. <laughs> yeah, that's seven. Never. Uh, yeah. And if you just like to listen to podcasts, that's fine too. We love listeners. Hey, yep. if you can give us a rating, I know a couple of us, uh, a couple of people did the last time we asked. It helps us out. My people might find us. We'd love more listeners. Tell folks about it. Uh, the podcast app of your choice probably has us in there. Max, Mike, most movies, likely. So, uh, although, if I'm telling you this, it means you've already. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so the question we have for next week that we would like you to answer is: What movie? Is it that you just really love and everyone else just seems to hate? Or rather, what movie warms your little heart, the cockles therein, but makes your friends look at you funny and uh, when you mention liking it? Let mm. us know. There will be Bumpy Bucks, Bumpy Hut catalogs, and the like. But next week, we are next continuing the series. Yes, we are. Made from TV Love You. But what are we continuing it with, Max? Do tell. Uh, we are continuing it with a classic piece of Americana. Ooh. That was uh, another show from the '60s, I believe. Yeah. That uh, found new life in the in the '90s. Ooh, something important, something culturally significant. This Absolutely. Yeah. We're talking, of course, about George of the Jungle. Uh, huh? Yep. <laughs> yep. Going from a black and white cartoon to almost to about over about 30, 40 years later, it, it, into a Brendan Fraser movie vehicle, and ah. Thomas Hayden Church. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> make sure to pray at the Hayden Church of your choice. <laughs> yes, for as and we will see if in fact George, George, George of the Jungle is strong as he can be. This has been a co-production of the Voice of Max and the movie wrench.